in order to even know that you're out of a line, you have to be self-aware. And so for me, I've really tried to be very intentional about asking myself, how are you really doing? How are you really feeling? What's good, podcast? This is Fade. I am your host, Robert John Boyle, and what you're about to hear is my interview with Amanda Cherie. Amanda has been on the podcast twice before, first to talk about her single, Brand New Empire, and this time to talk about her latest single, Can't Logic. This was a really fun interview. I actually did this interview from a coffee shop in downtown San Francisco. I wasn't sure that my audio was going to work. Luckily, it did. And I looked pretty funny in the middle of a coffee shop talking into a mic with AirPods in. All these people walking by and looking around like, who is is he interviewing? How is this possible? We basically did an interview through a tool called Zencaster. I was in San Francisco. Amanda was where she is. I'm not exactly sure. And we had a really, really interesting conversation. We touched on the single, of course, but we talked about meditation. We talked about developing self-awareness. We talked about entitlement, which was really the crux of our conversation because a lot of what we were discussing was some of the, the hills and valley that valleys that Amanda has gone through over the past few years and some of the things that she touches on in these two singles that really stems from her putting in all the work, doing everything that she needed to do to achieve her goals, and it really just not panning out the way that she thought or wanted it to. And the entitlement there comes in, and, and I recognize this in myself, a lot of young people, we feel like, oh, if we just do the work, if we do what we're supposed to do, then the good things will happen. And sometimes when those good things don't happen, it can really lead us into a bad place. And that stems from a bit of entitlement. We feel like, oh, I put in the work, therefore I deserve X. But sometimes we just don't get X. And so we talked about entitlement. We talked about how to battle out of those valleys when things don't work out the way that we want them to. And then we also touched on Let's see, we touched on, eh, that's about it. I was looking through my journal to find uh, something else to say, but that was really the crux of our conversation. We talked about the single, we talked about what Amanda's goals are going into the next chapter of her life, and this was just a really, really fun conversation. I'm sure Amanda is someone that I'm gonna be having on the podcast over and over again because I really, really wanna watch her grow, and I'm really, really interested in what she's doing both in and outside of music. So. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to let the interview start now. I hope you enjoy. 
All right, Amanda. First off, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time. You know, we've gone back and forth on Instagram, you doing lives with me and submitting stuff to the podcast. And I really, really, really appreciate that. And I want to start where we left off in our last conversation. I asked you what you were most excited about um, in the next three months. And you said that you were going to be going to a girl boss rally. So tell me <laughs> what that was and tell me how it went. Yeah, absolutely. It was a conference for female entrepreneurs and female business women. And there were all kinds of uh, female leaders who not only attended, but also spoke. And so it was everything from finance to Paris Hilton talking about how she owns the boardroom. So it was really, a really interesting time. I got to meet tons of female entrepreneurs and actually met um, now a good friend. And we have weekly chats uh, through phone call or FaceTime. And it's just always great to have that social support and get to support somebody else's dreams um, and ideas just as they, you know, support yours. And so tell me, what was the motivation to go to Girl Boss? Oh, the motivation is community, 100%. It's community. I think the more you can surround yourself with the energy that you want to be, the more you'll become it. And the more you can have opportunity to provide your own energy and um, you know, provide that mutual alignment and provide that mutual value for sure. Tell me, why do you, you know, I follow you on Instagram and you're always putting out these really positive, really down to earth, really practical messages. What does it mean to you to be able to like provide energy to others, either in an in-person context, over an interview, or even on social media? Mm, that's a great question. You know, I think the energy depends on what I feel that the need is. I have, I have a, a kind of a, a, a little bit of a sixth sense when it comes to energy. And I really love to read rooms and I enjoy walking into somewhere and sensing what's happening without even words um, you know, without even hearing conversations, but just sensing the energy that's in the space in a physical environment. And I'm, I'm very sensitive to that kind of energy, but I'm also very intentional about the energy that I bring. So I think that there's a power in your presence and in the ability to, through a smile, through a movement, through something that you say to someone just and sometimes what you don't say sometimes silence is the is the most powerful thing that you can ever say and i think just bringing that energy i try not to even though i can kind of sense energy i try not to let it affect what i'm bringing to the table so i try to notice it and meet people where they are but also try to elevate that and, you know, there's the, there's a saying that, you know, it, when, when you're an artist or you're anybody who's on stage, you have to show the emotion that you want to 
that you want others to feel. You have to create it first. So you have to literally initiate what you want other people to feel. It's the same thing with actors or anybody who is performing. I think it's the same thing for all of us, whether we're walking into a coffee shop or a boardroom or a stage, we have to feel what we first want. We have to first feel what we want others to feel. And and tell me, how do you stay that intentional on a daily basis? Because that sounds really, really great to me on paper. It's something that I try to do. But I feel like for someone listening, they might be like, ah, but just sometimes on Tuesday, I just don't have the energy to bring a positive energy to a space. What would you say to that person? Yeah, absolutely. You know, for me, it starts when I wake up in the morning. I have to work really hard on my mindset. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about mindset is I'm not one of those people who just wakes up and puts on, you know, my rose colored glasses and just goes about my day. I have to work quite intentionally to manage my energy uh, and manage my mindset. So for me, that starts with meditation. I meditate every single morning, even if it's only for five minutes. Uh, I get my blood pumping um, either with some, you know, stretches or, um, you know, something to increase circulation. I know, you know, some people um, will stretch uh, and like if you actually physically put your hands out. Um, and I do this almost every single morning. If you put your hands out um, and, and you you stretch out your arms, it's almost as if you're saying, you know, if you're telling the universe, I'm open, I'm open, and you're expanding, you know, your lung space so you can breathe, you're increasing your blood flow, and there's also just this posture of openness. Um, so I think it really starts in the morning. And and frankly, today, I, I had three meditation sessions, <laughs> uh, and I had quite a busy day, but between meetings, for me, it's not just a, okay, I checked my box. It's a, okay, I'm feeling, I'm feeling out of touch. I'm feeling out of tune. I need to realign with myself. And so for me, it's when I'm starting to sense that misalignment, it's time to realign. And I really love guided meditation, but I also think that in order to even know that you're out of a line, you have to be self-aware. And so for me, I've really tried to be very intentional about asking myself, how are you really doing? How are you really feeling? And being open to hear whatever that is and loving loving whatever that is instead of hating it or getting annoyed at it. And if that's, you know, I'm feeling anxious right now or I'm feeling sad right now or I'm, you know, whatever that emotion is, allowing it to rest and loving it actually helps it to feel comfortable to move on and and move you know move you can then move throughout your day let's let's talk about self-awareness for a second um tell me what are some of the signals for you that you are feeling misaligned what are some of the the things that you look out for during the day oh that's a good question for me a lot of times it is a physical manifestation and i think in all of us I get shallow breathing or I notice tension. I notice tension in my shoulders. I notice a tighter jaw. I notice uh, 
just a just an overall sense of a more closed posture and i've tried to be more intentional about when i'm feeling those things to physically actually relax them so i go through this this uh, these steps of relaxing my shoulders, relaxing my jaw, and breathing. And I, I heard somebody say recently, the difference between excitement and fear is breathing. And that really stuck with me because that's something that I have struggled with is a, a bit of a, a shortness of breath, whether I'm speaking or whether I'm singing. That's something that is something I'm really aware of. And I really loved that phrase, the difference between excitement and fear is breathing. And it's so true. We talk about, you know, channel your fear into your performance or channel your your frustration into your work. And 100%, I, as an artist, I if I didn't feel pain, <laughs> you know, there that's a, a big piece of the power for sure. And you can channel that into songs. I mean, I imagine if Adele or Taylor Swift had never experienced a breakup, right? That's where the magic comes from sometimes. But again, that's that was a huge thing for me, learning to breathe. And I'm still learning. Let's talk about this. Um, I, you know, I was looking through your Instagram profile before this interview, and I came across that post where you were talking about Adele and how if she didn't have the breakups, would we have gotten the music? You know, how do you how do you keep that perspective in mind when you actually are going through those times? Because one thing that I've noticed is that almost universally, everyone looks back on some of the worst times in their lives as the times that help them grow the most. Yet. As a culture, we, 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 we hate pain and we hate having to go through those dark times. So tell me your perspective on that, like trying to keep that perspective while you actually are going through those times. Yeah, absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head. Humans are hardwired to avoid pain and discomfort and to cling to pleasure. So that's it is incredibly difficult. And I have this saying, and I've had this saying for quite some time. I, I was probably in middle school or high school when I started saying this, when I, when I started writing, actually. And I would say, if I get a good story out of it, nothing is wasted. And since I have learned to that I am able to reframe and I can narrate my own stories and I can be the hero of my own stories and I can start to see myself as that, that has really, really shifted my perspective. So now, even if I'm in line somewhere and I see something interesting or something frustrating happens, I start to think of how can I flip this into a story? How can I turn this into a story? And it really does shift my perspective because I think the core of that message is gratitude. It's seeing this is actually a gift and this is something that can be turned into art. Let's stay right there. This idea of turning something that you could complain about into something that you could be grateful for. Um, Think back to like the most recent time that that happened for you. It could have been mm. today. It could have been mm. last month. Like what comes to mind for you? Mm. 
Oh, this is such a good question. Hmm. You know, what comes to mind for me is, let's see, you know, this past year, I, you know, I was the artistic director director of my college dance team, but I had, you know, a knee injury and a hip injury and like a shoulder injury. And I was basically dancing through a lot of pain and going through it at the time. I really just, I hated that. You know, I wanted to be completely pain-free. I wanted to be able to dance at my best at all times. And it really kind of plagued in my mind, you know, my last year of college, which I didn't really like. And, you know, I just graduated in May and now I'm about three months out of college. And I finally found someone who's been able to help me kind of realign my body and to fix a lot of these injuries. And I'm in a place where I'm so much more pain free. I can dance better. I can move better. And I'm so grateful for that. And, you know, it's it, it's related to this conversation we're having about like, you know, some of the toughest times we go through, we look back on them and we're so grateful for them. How do we turn these complaints into aspects of gratitude. And for me, like when I think about that question, the most recent thing for me is being like, oh, I'm actually glad I went through that period because now I understand my body and how I move so much better than if I would have never had to go through that at all. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. No, I I love that example. That's fantastic. Um, I think for me, I'm going to give a small example because I think that that's sometimes where we can get really derailed is in the small things and they can serve as distractions, these little frustrations. And last night I had cotton candy grapes. Have you had those cotton candy grapes? I have not. Okay. They, they taste just like cotton candy and they're fantastic. They're these green grapes. <laughs> so good. And I was really excited. I had a, a, a quite a long weekend. My, um, my single launched on Friday night um, and so it was a, uh, you know, just a, a big launch weekend and really, really exciting, uh, but also just a, a lot of things in the works. And I was working up until about 11 o'clock last night and I decided to I'm just like, I'm going to eat some cotton candy grapes and I'm going to drink a glass of organic cold milk and I'm just going to have this mindfulness moment with my grapes and organic whole milk. And I realized that I was out of milk and I felt slightly disappointed with that, right? I was like, okay, I'm doing all this work and I just want to take a second and just have a snack, right? And I looked in the fridge and I saw half and half. So I drank half and half with my cotton candy grapes and it was actually so fantastic. It was so creamy and delicious. And I wouldn't have thought to do that had I been, had I not been out of organic whole milk. And I know that that's such a small example and it also sounds slightly bougie, but it's, it's sometimes the smallest things that can absolutely derail us. That could have ruined, you know, I could have, I could have just, you know, been like, no, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to do this or whatever. And it was such a an opportunity for me to turn just a small frustration into new art, right? It was it was it was new art and that's another thing that I love about cooking too. You know, if you're out of something or you don't, you know, you don't have all the ingredients, you get to improvise and to me that's some of the most fun that I ever have when I'm cooking and some of the best recipes that I've ever created have been when I've been out of something. So it's 
it's all about the reframing 100% in the big things in the small things. It's just all about the framing for sure. And I love the wording you use this, this idea of going from frustration to art. Let's, let's talk about can't logic. Did this come from a space of frustration? Like how were you feeling during the process of thinking about and creating this song? Yeah, 100%. This, this song really is about my journey of just being brutally honest with myself, getting over myself for sure. I really had to I've, I've really had to learn to partner better with my ego because we all we all have an ego that's part of all of us um, and and I think you it's never something that you conquer or you get over but it's something that you learn to partner with better and I really had a lot of external programming and formulas and <laughs> structure that really, I began to question when my life kind of fell apart. And so there was a lot of forgiveness for me, not only with the the formulas as I understood them in themselves, but also with myself for believing those formulas. So for me, it was a matter of really trying to get out of my head and drop into my heart and really start to live from this place of my higher self and my intuition versus this really cognitive place that's actually fear, right? It feels it feels safe and it feels it feels cerebral and it feels good to have all of these formulas, but it's it's pseudo control. It's just pseudo control. And I really had to learn to let go of that and arrive in this more intuitive place. And I'm I'm still I'm still getting there. I'm still getting there. Was there a catalyst for you wanting to kind of get rid of these formulas? Mm. Oh, for sure. I and I talked about it last time, you know, I was on um I was on. It, it was really my life kind of falling fall, falling apart, and being. It was so confusing to me because I had done sort of all the right things that you think of. You know, the hard work, the good grades, uh, just sort of the straight and narrow, uh, very very structured, very very programmed, and when my life did not look how anything like I thought it would look. That was very frustrating for me. And then I got to, again, being brutally honest here, I got to come face to face with my entitlement. And I mean that not in a materialistic way or in a way of, you know, I didn't grow up in a wealthy family or anything or, you know, have loads of opportunities when it came to uh, sort of the traditional uh, forms of success. But when it came to, again, life just sort of turning out in a certain way, I did have those expectations of cause and effect. If I do this, then this will happen. And I had, I formed all of this resistance within that. 
And I had all of these expectations that I really had to let go. And I had to redefine my definitions of spirituality and relationships and community and, you know, career and uh, really every aspect of, of my life. And it was really in that process that I learned about about just letting go, right? Just letting go. And ironically, it was losing everything that showed me how much love exists and how much how much can come your way when you become the thing that you want. But you have to become it first. You can't, you know, kind of have all this resistance and all this um, and just say, because I've done X, Y, Z, then this thing will flow my way, right? It's, it, you got to let it go and live in this space of openness. And that's where the love, the success, uh, all of those things come from is in the letting go. So you talked about becoming the thing that you want to be. It sounds like you had a very clear vision for what you wanted to be and you executed and you did all the right things, but then it wasn't there for you. So through this process of letting go, like who did you become and why did you want to be that person? Mm, yeah, no, that's great. So I think the things that I wanted were the same, but I don't, I don't know that I fully became those things, right? Because I don't know, or I don't know that I really realized what was required. And I'll, and I'll tell you, I'll give you an example of that. Even, even in, I would want to speak or I would want to sing. I would want to perform. I would want to, um, you know, have these, these kinds of um, opportunities. And there's, there's something about when you put your art out into the world, there's something called rejection, <laughs> right? And so when I received, you know, rejection and, and when not everyone would, um, you know, enjoy what I was putting out into the world, that's hard. And I think that that's something that I had to learn is what comes with that kind of role, what comes with that kind of responsibility is going to be rejection. Not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody's going to understand it. Some people will think that you're doing the wrong thing, and some people will maybe even morally find it um, wrong. And you know, have very, hold very, very strong opinions about the thing that you feel so aligned with and the thing that you feel is right and best for you and the value that you want to bring to the world, it's not always going to be appreciated and you're not always going to be understood. And that was something that I really had to embrace uh, because if you're not, if you're not making mistakes, if you're not failing, and if you're not getting backlash, you're probably not innovating. So it, on some level. So that was something that I really had to learn and I had to become this, this, and not in a gritty space of, you know, I don't care what all of you think, but it, in a more, in a more open and loving way where I can not only love those people, 
in how they feel and be open to how they feel, but I can also love myself in the process and I can really focus on what feels most aligned to me and I can focus on the people who I'm ultimately I'm ultimately going to bring value to through this work. And that's where the focus has to lie is on the people, even if it's the one or two people, it's the small percentage, the niche that you ultimately really resonate with, no matter what your scale, right? I, I, I think it, being a household name is, doesn't mean you're understood. It just, I think it just raises the ratio of being, being known to being understood, right? It's always going to be a small, no matter who you are, you're always going to carry stigma. Your name is always going to carry weight somehow. And I really think it's letting go of being misunderstood has been massive for me. And again, so still, let's, still getting there. <laughs> so let's talk about the transition from brand new empire to can't logic going into this one. Like, how was your mindset different? Like you talked about letting go. You talked about being okay with being misunderstood. Like talk about how this one was different from the first single. Yeah, this, I will say brand new empire, brand new empire. I absolutely love. 100%. And it's such a, it's an anthem of resilience. And that is, is definitely has a little bit more of a, I almost would say a masculine energy to it. And, and not in a, um, not in the gender sense, but in just in the ener- energy of just being a little bit grittier and powerful and I would say I'm I'm a, a a very much a blend of masculine and feminine energy for sure. I have this powerful side to me. And then I also have this more feminine side that I'm really trying to be very in tune with my heart and uh be just bring this softer element to me as well. And so even though the lyrics are a little bit edgier it's just a little bit of a different side of me. And Brand New Empire, I was able to bring what I was familiar with in terms of that masculine energy. Can't Logic was a bit more vulnerable for me because I unleashed this different side. It was a bit sensual. It was very, it was very vulnerable for me. So I think there's definitely that that dichotomy and can logic definitely pushes the envelope uh from you know my structure and my my really conservative background as well so that's probably the the biggest difference for sure And talk to me about how this weekend was for you. Obviously, the single just came out on Friday. We're doing this interview on a Monday. You know, talk about the past three days. Like, what's been going through your mind? Hmm. Yeah, it's been really fun to see what listeners are saying and and see, you know, hear things like, this is so relatable or this is 
you know, just see people either dancing to it or cranking it out in their their cars um, and just responding to it in this, wow, I totally, I totally feel this. And just, again, being able to relate to this head versus heart kind of juxtaposition and also really getting into, you know, the sensual side of the song as well. And I'm not sure where I want to go next, actually. Hmm. Let me tell you, this is a, I was on a podcast once before and um, someone asked me the question, what do you wish that I would ask you right now? And it was like, the, it was the craziest thing that I've ever been asked and <laughs> being stumped right now. I'm, I'm curious, what do you, what do you want to talk about right now? You know, I would actually really love to talk a, a little bit about the music, if we can. For sure. Of Can Logic. I, I want to talk. I want to give a shout out to my producer Joe Garrett. He's just absolutely fantastic, and it was so fun to get to work with him on this song and really build it layer by layer and bring in you know crazy horns and. Uh, and and that I, I think that working with him has been a, a really interesting manifestation of the song also with his ideas really really pushed my my framework of my own style of music and it's been so 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 fun to get to just be creative together and and you know come up with a product that we're both really really proud of and specifically in the bridge, um, the the executive uh, producer that that I was working with, um, or that we were working with at online recording studio, Joe, Joe Wadsworth, he 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 was like, you know, what if we, what can we do with with this bridge, and or just can we do something just crazy? And then the only instruction was just to go crazy. And so Joe Garrett came back with this just like insane, insane like interview that goes into the bridge, which I wanted to sound really confused and bewildered. And he came back with this like it was so it's so cool. And I I literally laughed because I was just so excited to hear. I don't know, it was just so interesting. But the reason the reason I want to talk about that is because I feel like it's such a manifestation of just go with your intuition, right? Don't just kind of go with this structure that you have in mind. Like if you have an inkling, go with it and see where it takes you. And that was, a, it was just interesting to see that manifest within this song of just having these things that may not normally go together, really come together for this interesting experience. And talk to me, like when, Talk to me from the perspective of an artist. Like, can you hear the song in your own head before it's been made? Like, I, t talk to me about talk to me about that. Yeah, absolutely. This this song. I, I a lot of times I hear a bunch of different versions of the song. So when I originally wrote the song, I heard it as an 80s anthem and I actually kind of wrote it as an, an the Amanda Sheree version of an 80s anthem and the only clencher is that I 
don't really care for 80s music all that much. <laughs> so <laughs> so th- that was fine. And we were talking about, okay, so how do we make an 80s anthem that doesn't sound like an 80s anthem? Because like, can't you hear like, I can't lie, take my way out of love, you know? <laughs> um, and so that's sort of originally how I wrote the song and how I, I heard it. But obviously that's, that's not my style. So it was really interesting to to come up with something that was something very danceable and something very fun, but that executed said vision. And I think that the, one of the reasons why I love that interlude so much is it does kind of give a little bit of that. uh, It's like if Foster the People were an 80s band or something, I don't know, it was was crazy. I loved it. And so, yeah, I, I definitely heard elements of the song in my mind and and I I did read I, I did write the you know like the the intro piece um I did write that that motif um and but it was just interesting to see it really really come to life with just the creatives that I have the pleasure of working with it was it was really fun to kind of build it and just iterate together and just see what we could see what we could come up with yeah and is this the same team that worked on Brand New Empire? Were there any additions on this time? Yeah, no, it's the same team. Uh, and so it was absolutely fantastic. And, and we're going to be working together on the next song. And so we've got this really great, really great chemistry and really excited to keep pushing the envelope with these these fantastic creatives. Well, I want to talk about what's next for you, but I think before we go there, we should talk a little yeah. bit more about, you know, for the audience, for the audience, like what you're doing outside of music. You know, obviously we talked about Girl Boss Rally, but mm-hmm. what is your what does your day job look like? Yeah, absolutely. So I am an organizational psychology practitioner for a Fortune 150 company. And every day is different. I can frankly say that. But the the purpose of my role is to define, develop, measure, and help the company sustain the capabilities it needs to execute its goals. So that's really fun for me. I get to use this very left brain side of me, the logic side, right? <laughs> um, in my in my everyday. And yeah, it's just really interesting to see all of these people come together around a common goal and see an organization become better. That's really that transformation is really exciting for me. And an- another thing that I'm really into is meditation. And so I'm really hoping that, you know, I- I've actually gotten to lead some some leaders in visualization exercises and such uh, when when I speak. So I- I'm excited to see how there will be more culminations of my many passions coming together. And, you know, this is something we talked about the last time we spoke on Instagram Live. I wonder, though, when these worlds clash, have you ever been at a meditation event or have you ever been at work and someone asks you about your music? Like, has, has your worlds ever collided in that way? Yeah, they they have. And I, I've, I've sung at leadership conferences, 
Uh, and then again, if I if I'm giving a talk, sometimes I will start. I will open up with a visualization exercise, or if I'm giving an example, if I'm giving a, a, a training or a webinar, uh, sometimes I'll I'll give an example and and sing a line of a song. <laughs> so it's 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 really fun to be able to connect the dots. And and I actually did have a leader ask me recently, do you meditate? And that was such an interesting question to me because I had never referenced meditation to this leader before. And he asked me this question. And to me, that was such a compliment because I was like, oh my word, I I came across as Zen to someone. This is like tiny Amanda would be so proud because she was so high strung. Like if somebody asked her, you know, nobody would ever ask her, do you meditate? They would be like, girl, chill, you need to go meditate. So that was definitely a, a huge, uh, accomplishment in my mind. And let's talk about meditation. Do you think that everyone can benefit from meditation or is it really only for some people? What's your perspective? I do believe that everyone can benefit from meditation. And here's why. I think the benefits depend on what you need and it's an opportunity for self-awareness. So for me, I really do well. And, And then there are also 50 shades of meditation, right? For me, I do much better with guided meditation or something with a sound component to it because I I have a continuous inner dialogue and I'm constantly having ideas or hearing music or the voices in my head. No, I'm kidding. Um, But for me, I need something that can really take my mind and center it. And for me, guided meditation does that. Sound uh, also does that, a, the, a sound therapy meditation. Those are my preferred shades of meditation. For other people, they like silence or they like a, a scene where they can go down uh, some sort of journey. Another thing that I've been experimenting with is I'm writing meditation spoken word. So that's something that I would love for people to be able to experience as well. So it's something that's you're you're hearing a, a story in a in a spoken word of, of a you're getting to hear literature of sorts, but you're also getting to internalize that and really have a component of self awareness and mindfulness for yourself. So again, I think it's it's an opportunity for everyone to become a little bit more self-aware and to listen to your body, listen to your mind and and hear what it's saying. Even fear, even discomfort, it's 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 a gift. It's sending you a message. And so it's it's it a capab- it's it's offering you it it's again it's sending you a message. So it's I think important to listen to what it's telling you. And that's and therein lies the beauty of meditation. Let's 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 stay there for a second. This this idea that the fear and the anxiety, it's like our inner voice is kind of telling us like, oh, you need to look at that, you need to think about this. But so often we numb ourselves to those feelings with all kinds of yeah. things, you know, entertainment, drugs and alcohol, other people. Yeah. Like, what can you say? that can convince someone to actually start leaning into that instead of running away from it. Because who wants to spend, you know, after you've worked all day, you know, who wants to spend more time thinking about their fear and anxiety versus numbing (laughs) it? Does that make sense? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I relate to that 100%. I love, I, I love TV. I love, right. You know, because I, I think it's one of the only things that, uh, can sort of take my mind to, to another space. I would say there are two kinds of fear. There's one that protects you and one that holds you back. And I think it's important to know, is this something, why, why am I afraid of this? Is this something that, what, what if I were to go and do this thing? What if this thing were to happen? You know, it, so if for, you know, Adele used to throw up every time she would perform almost, right? And, but imagine, yeah, she had, she had horrible stage fright. And so imagine if she had just said, no, I'm afraid, screw this, I'm, I'm going home. Peace. You know, we, we would have not gotten to experience her stunning, stunning voice. So it's not always just because we feel the fear, it's not always a bad thing, but it, again, I think it's important to listen to what the fear is telling you because it's always telling you something. It's either even when it's protecting you, it's, you know, saying, you know, it could be saying, hey, you have a value that's being compromised right now. Or, hey, you really want this thing. So that's why you feel this discomfort right now. So again, then then it becomes, like I was talking about earlier, it becomes the difference between excitement and fear, you know, to, to breathe into that, to lean into that and to start breathing and be like, you know what, I'm going to be excited about this thing. Because this is actually a gift that if I press into this and if I lean into this and I let go of my resistance, I have this amazing opportunity that's on the other side of the sphere. I'm really glad that you used that word breathe because, you know, as we've been talking about meditation, I've tried meditation. I don't meditate, but I do do like breathing exercises all the time where I'm basically just very consciously inhaling for a certain number of seconds and outhaling, exhaling for a certain number of seconds. And that has been really, really transformative for me, just make allowing me to sleep better, be calmer, um, to listen better, to just really be a, a better human being at, all phases of my day, especially because you can breathe anytime you want to, you know, you don't have to, you know, go off to find a quiet space. You can be breathing wherever you want to. And let's see where I want to go next is, you know, we've talked about meditation. We've talked about singing. You act like what is on, what is on the bucket list for you? Like what is, what, is, what are some of the things that you want to do um, in, in the next few years or like what's kind of on your mind, I guess? Yeah. I want to do some keynotes. I would love to act more. I would love to be able to connect many of my passions, though. I think that's where that is part of success to me, is to be able to connect dots. So... I would love to be able to incorporate more meditation into live performances and also, you know, maybe even combine these things with a mastermind or a retreat or something that just being able to see people people's transformative journeys 
outside just transactional music. And and when I say just transactional music, I don't mean that in a in sense of the value because 100%, I mean, there's the oxytocin, there's the dopamine, there's all these things, the, the serotonin, you know, all the things that go into music. So 100%, I see the benefits and the value and and I'm happy with that piece of it, but I want I want to keep building on the music, and so I want to see more of my passions be able to come together for an even greater value proposition, and for people to be able to experience both services and products. To speak like a businesswoman, <laughs> that will manifest both this comfort and again this kind of more feminine energy with also then a masculine energy. So I would love to see you know people go from a meditation to a power song to you know a, a series throughout the day that I'm creating this experience for them that takes them through this emotional journey, this spiritual journey maybe even a physical journey and they get to have just this full immersive visceral experience that would be that would be success to me well i love i love the sound of that especially this idea of because it's not something that we see in music a lot most artists when they create music you know they do shows and they might get creative at their shows but this idea of really being able to combine the keynote in leading visualization exercises and the music all into one kind of package. Like that's really, really exciting. And I'm really excited to see how that plays out for you. Yeah. Thanks. Me me too. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to, I want to move into wrap up mode. I want to do two more things. First off, tell us where we can find you on the internet, music wise, social media wise, give us some ads. Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, all the music platforms, and connect with me on Instagram at Amanda Cherie Music. And the way I want to close this out is, you know, thinking about someone who might be listening to this, I feel like so many of us have so many balls we're juggling at one time. And you you definitely have a lot yeah. going on all at one time. Like what is your what is your answer to how you find balance? I feel like that's what people would want to know. <laughs> what is that? No, I'm <laughs> um, no, I I look at it I look at it more, and and it's funny because in my field of organizational psychology, I, I take the uh, opinion of work life integration. I think that if we're looking at balance, it's we're looking at opposition versus integration where things come together and converge. So that's how I like to look at, that's how I like to look at things is feeling very aligned. Like things can look very disparate on the outside, but then still feel very aligned. So I think it's, I think it's looking at looking at alignment, but also looking at the infinite game, right? So there's, there's, there are the finite games where we're looking at a week or a day and we want to cross off everything on our to-do list and we want to win the day and achieve everything. And that's great. And we need to find those moments to celebrate, but it starts all over again tomorrow, right? So I think it's 
the ability to look at life and our to-do list and our goals as less of a basketball game with an end score and a buzzer and look at it more like a lifetime war is not the right word, (laughs) but lifetime game, right? It's something that, you know, we can look at it in increments of years and increments of months and increments of weeks and be able to see progress over time and again allow those disparate elements to coexist but not necessarily packed into one space i like that answer a lot because what I, what kept coming to mind for me is like just patience like you don't have to have balance on yeah. any particular day but if right. you can find balance throughout the course of 5 or 15 or 25 years and you can allow those goals to coalesce in their own time versus you trying to force it I think that just removes so much of the anxiety out of trying to find balance from the equation. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a little bit more practically speaking, how I like to look at time is less of in a day and more of in a week. So of course I do have my things that I want to accomplish during the day and I, I have that logic side, right? I have the structure uh, the things that I want to accomplish, but I've started looking at now more of my, my weeks. So typically I'll have at least one night during during the week that I socialize. And that's that's difficult for me to fit into my schedule, but I find that the busier I am, the more socializing I need, the more social yeah. support that I need. And when I don't, I start to feel very isolated and like I'm the only one who's experiencing what I'm experiencing. And again, the brutal honesty, again, the entitlement, right? You know, when you feel like you're the the only person who's going through what you're going through, it's newsflash, you are not. There are other people, um, you know, who are feeling isolation as well. So if we can be lonely together and we can come together and we then become less lonely and we become, you know, just more connected. So for me, that I do look at it in week increments. Um, and again, this I think social support is everything. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for those words. I think you've brought a lot of a lot of really interesting ideas to the table: self awareness, entitlement, gratitude, can't <laughs> logic. I really, really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. Absolutely. Please enjoy the rest of your day and we cannot wait for the next single. Thanks so much. Plug alert. RJB365 is my Amazon Alexa flash briefing. I would love it if you would go ahead and enable it on your Amazon Echo device. Basically, I take clips from the podcast or sometimes it's just me ranting about some of the things that I care about. Practicing self-awareness, developing empathy, TikTok, voice, like it really goes everywhere. And if you're at all interested in the content that I create on social media, in the podcast, I feel like RJB365 is really the best way to consume me because audio is my favorite and my best medium. And it's just a two minute bit while you're brushing your teeth or doing the dishes or putting on your pants. Uh, I would really, really highly suggest and highly encourage that you go ahead and enable RJB365 on your Amazon Echo device. Thank you.